Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our sermon text for our meditation this morning is our gospel lesson recorded for us in the Gospel of St. Luke, the fifth chapter, verses 1 through 11. To bring us back into this text, I'd like to read just a few verses for you once again, beginning at verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, because I am a sinful man, Lord. For Peter and all those with him were amazed at the number of fish they had caught. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Have no fear. From now on you will be catching people. Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. Dear fellow redeemed, those words of Jesus were meant to be words of comfort to Peter. And they were. As Peter recognized who Jesus was by his miracle, that he wasn't just the Messiah, he was the Son of God, the all-holy God standing right before him there in the boat. Peter is humbled as he recognizes his sin, and yet Jesus comforts him, have no fear. From now on, you will be catching people. To Peter, those words provided tremendous comfort. But what about for us today? What if Jesus said those same words to you today? Have no fear. From now on, you will be catching people. That sounds terrifying, doesn't it? <laughs> Probably sounds like a terrifying remark from Jesus put together, right? If we were to list our greatest fears, I think sharing our faith with others would probably be one of the top ones on our list. To tell others about Jesus, that's terrifying. And yet, we see in our lesson today that Jesus takes the fear out of fishing for people. Let us recognize that Jesus calls sinners to do this work and let us recognize that he's the one that provides the catch. What sort of talents, abilities, attributes do you think an evangelist should have? Maybe they should be someone who's well-versed in Scripture and has many passages memorized. Maybe it should be somebody who's charismatic or good with people. Maybe it's someone who should be a, a good speaker or a, a good debater. Probably think those qualities would be good of an evangelist. They should be the ones doing this full-time, the professionals. Now, thinking about professionals, it's interesting to think about Peter in our lesson for today. He was a professional, wasn't he? A professional fisherman, and yet what do we find out about him? Even though he had plied his trade, even though he had been working all through the night, he'd gotten skunked. No fish at all. I don't know if that's ever happened to you. Maybe you've been out on the boat fishing. I know it's happened to me. Fish for hours and not a single bite, nothing to show for it. Can you even imagine, though, what it must have been like for Peter and his partners, though, to be skunked? These were the people who knew what they were doing, the professionals, but they had nothing to show for it. Well, what happened that day, though? As Jesus is being brought near by the crowd as they're pressing upon him, he comes close to Peter, who's cleaning his nets, perhaps even in his boat. And Jesus asked Peter to take the boat out, and he does so. Small request from Jesus, right? Does 
Peter perhaps is still cleaning his nets, listening with an ear, though, to Jesus as he's preaching. But then Jesus goes on and asks Peter to do something even greater. After he's done speaking to the people, he asks him to take the boat out into the deep part of the water. Quite a bit bigger ask, isn't it? Peter's going to have to put in the effort not only to row the boat out into the deep part, he's also going to have to put in the effort to throw down the nets. Think about what else is involved. He's been cleaning those nets because he knows they're going to go out, have to go out fishing again that very night because they got to catch up. They didn't catch anything the previous night. Now Jesus is making this request, go out into the deep part of the lake in the middle of the day. Peter was the professional. He knew where to find the fish and what time to find the fish, and this wasn't it. And yet he trusts Jesus. He knows Jesus as the Messiah. And so he listens to his word, even though it maybe doesn't make the most sense to him. What would happen next, Peter would never forget. As Jesus caused this tremendous amount of fish to fill their nets, and as they were bringing them in, the nets were starting to tear. There's so many fish that they even had to call in further backups to, to help bring in all of those fish in the nets. Peter realized in the midst of it all who Jesus was, that he was not only the Messiah, but he was the very Son of God. And Peter realized this about himself, that he was a sinful man. and He didn't deserve to be in Jesus' presence. And so he says to Jesus, go away from me. But how does Jesus respond to him? Have no fear. He wanted to reassure Peter. Yes, even though he is the Messiah, even though he was the perfect holy son of God, that he wanted Peter to be there, and he wanted to be there with Peter. And Peter had nothing to fear being in his presence because Jesus had come for people like Peter, sinners like Peter. In fact, Jesus would go on to say in the same chapter of Luke, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And later on in Luke's gospel, he says, The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Now what does he command this sinful man to do? From now on, you will be catching people. We might think to ourselves concerning Peter, Yeah, but Jesus, is he really that qualified to carry out that work? After all, he himself admitted that he's a sinful man. He doesn't deserve to be in your presence, so what sort of representative would that be to tell others about you, Lord? Wouldn't it be like a, a gambling addict trying to give someone advice on financial matters? Or maybe a, a two-time divorcee giving counsel to someone on marriage? It just doesn't seem to make sense. But Peter was qualified to do that. Because Jesus wasn't asking him to show other people how to be perfect and earn their way to heaven. He was calling people, Peter simply to tell, him, tell others what he already knew. To tell others that they had a Savior from sin, just like Peter had. A Savior who showed mercy to him and would show mercy to them. Jesus continues to call such people today. 
You think of individuals that Jesus calls to serve in his church full-time, perhaps pastors, teachers, missionaries, and so forth. He calls these individuals, certainly they have various qualifications that God desires as they carry out the work of the church. It's good for us to recognize who these people are. They're sinners like everyone else. That I have just as much sin as all the rest of you. And yet, what does Jesus call those individuals to do? To proclaim publicly that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But it isn't just the professionals that he wants to carry out this work. It's every one of us. He's given the Great Commission not just to pastors and teachers and missionaries, but to his church to carry out this work. We might think we're so unqualified for that. But what does that work entail? Recognizing we're sinful people, but knowing our Savior Jesus and telling others the comfort that we know in him, that he's the Savior from sin, he's our Savior. In him we have the hope of everlasting life. Like Peter, we know that we are sinners all too well. We also know our Savior, but we can still be scared, can't we? To ever speak his name, to ever tell anyone else about Jesus. And what makes us so scared? I think part of it is we wonder, what are we even going to say? Am I going to stumble over my words? How are they going to respond as well? Will they think I'm a Jesus freak? Will they ridicule me? Will they want nothing to do with me? It's just too much to risk, we might think to ourselves. So we're terrified. What does Jesus' miracle in our text for today remind us of? He's the one in control of all things, right? Think about it. Peter was the professional. He should have known how to bring in fish the night before, but he wasn't successful. Even the professional failed, right? But what did Jesus do? He showed that he's in control of everything. As he commands Peter to throw out the nets, he provides the catch, doesn't he? He fills those nets with fish. He's at work in doing that. So too, he is also at work in catching people for himself. He calls individuals like Peter and Paul, disciples, apostles, pastors, teachers, missionaries, so many more to put down their nets, to put down their line. And he'll provide the catch. We think about Peter himself, and we think about the other Christians on Pentecost Sunday, men and women. What did they do? They proclaimed the gospel. They proclaimed Jesus Christ as the one who is their Savior from sin. And what happened? God used those words to convert hearts. 3,000 joined the church that day, a miraculous catch of people. God provided it, didn't he? Now, I remember when I was younger one time, heading out fishing with my father and a number of my siblings too, and we were out in the boat planning to catch sunnies in the middle of the day with uh, just worms. 
Remember, my dad wasn't doing much fishing that day. He was kind of running between each of the kids, trying to put the bait on the hook and get the line to the right depth, and then he'd have to clean off the weeds if we caught weeds and have to do it all over again if our bait was nibbled off. Remember, I myself that day had a few tugs on my line, so I reeled in. No fish, though. I had cleaned my hook. And so I reeled my hook in. It was maybe hanging a few inches above the water. So I called out to Dad, Dad, can you help put another worm on my hook? He told me to wait. He was dealing with one of my brothers. And as I'm waiting there, all of a sudden I feel a tug. I got something, I said. And I, I start reeling it in, and it was a fish on my line. And, and I went on to explain it. It wasn't even in the water. There wasn't even a worm on the hook. We were dumbfounded. How could this be, right? Fish just jumped out of the water, landed on the hook. Amazing, incredible. Well, if you ask any fishermen, they would tell you that's, that's not the way you normally catch fish, right? If you're going to expect to catch fish, you need to have your line in the water, and you need to have bait on the hook. You shouldn't expect to catch anything without bait. You shouldn't expect to catch anything, especially if the hook's not in the water. So too it is with catching people for Christ. Yes, there can be miraculous conversions like the Apostle Paul on the way to Damascus who saw Jesus in a vision. That's not normally the way people come to faith. People come to faith through hearing God's word, don't they? Through that word proclaimed to him, them, they, they come to faith through the amazing work of God, through the sacrament of baptism as well. Through means, God invites us to use those means, to use his word and his sacraments. And he promises that he's going to be about the work of changing hearts. That's not our job, that's his. Our job is to share the message, to proclaim Christ. He'll bring in the catch. But we're terrified to even do that. Terrified to let down our hooks, to let down our nets. We know our failures in this. I think for us as Christians, we can think about our many sins that we have, but I think this especially is something that weighs on, weighs on the hearts and minds of a lot of us. As we hear sermons like these so many times, we should tell other people about Jesus, and yet we know our failures. We, we don't tell others about Jesus. Even when the opportunity presents itself, we feel so afraid. We try to add up in our minds, how many times have I ever talked about Jesus outside of church to anyone? We know our unworthiness, just like Peter. We too can cry out, go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. And we know what we deserve. Jesus himself said in Luke 9, in fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory. He says that we don't deserve to be acknowledged by him when we don't acknowledge him to others. Instead, we deserve to be cast away from him. But Jesus would also have us know this. You'd have us be comforted by the same words that he comforted Peter in our lesson for today. Do not be afraid. Have no fear. 
Have no fear. Because I have shown mercy on you. Mercy on you who has failed me so many times. I've showed mercy on you. He invites us to, to look to his wounds. See the blood that flowed from my wounds, my hands and my side. See the pain that I suffered for you. See that I have done everything necessary to make you right in God's sight. That all of your failures, all of your sins... Even those sins of not acknowledging me or being ashamed of me, even those are forgiven in me, in my wounds. Your guilt and your shame has been completely covered. But he also says, know this. That same comfort that I give to you today, that same message of mercy and forgiveness and love will comfort others, not just in these walls but outside as well. They, too, will be comforted in my mercy that I've shown for you, but not just for you, for the entire world. And so he invites us to go and tell. Tell others what you've experienced. Tell others what God has done for you in Christ. Tell them that, yes, you're a sinner. Yes, you fail constantly, but you have a Savior who's greater than your sin. Jesus Christ, who has shed his blood on a cross for you and for me. Share with them. The joy that you know in the gospel in Christ and the sure hope of everlasting life. And be encouraged to know that that gospel is powerful. As Paul writes, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. You see, God is at work in the preaching and proclamation of his word as it's shared in church here today, as it's shared even between people. He's at work bringing others to faith, catching people for his kingdom. And so he invites us. Be about the work that I have given you to do. Be about my work. Not because you have to, to earn your position in heaven or make yourself right with me, but do it in joy, knowing everything that I have done for you. Tell a stranger, tell a neighbor. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell a spouse, tell your own kids what Jesus has done for you. They too might have joy in knowing their sins are forgiven and knowing that they're going to heaven. Be assured that God is going to be about the work of catching more for his kingdom. Amen. I invite the congregation to please rise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.